0: Okay, so Music News this week is going to start off on quite a sad note. Um, this week there's been two, uh, two musicians who have passed away very sadly and way before that time. Um, two incredibly accomplished musicians and very talented uh, musicians too. Uh, being Justin Hawkins from The Food Fighters and um, Tom Parker from uh, British boy band The Wanted. Uh, Justin Hawkins, what can you say? I mean, incredible drummer uh really drives that band. That band that just in a good way don't know when to stop because they are so powerful and they don't know when to they don't know how to limit that power and that's just right for them. That is perfect. And he's a large part of that sound. Those huge drums, man, that's incredible. Um and Tom Parker from uh British boy band The Wanted, wow. I mean, it's taken so so young as well, thirty three years old. Um he what can I say? The Wanted, a uh, brilliant British boy band. One of my favourites of the past 20 years. Uh, some amazing songs. Glad you came. Beautiful song. Um, and, and more, to be honest. Uh, he will surely be missed. It's lovely to know that up until, you know, the, the last days of his life, that he was still working and still working hard to... Um, he was recently on tour with the band, but still working hard to uh, raise money for charity and raise awareness of great... Uh, of, of great causes um, that really need help. So, unfortunately, such a sad, sad week for music. But in those so sad times, there's always some light. Um, we've got some nice stories. Um, for example, Zach Starkey this week has been has got married. Um, but the interesting thing to me was that he had Eddie Vedder as his best man. I mean, just imagine having someone that cool as your best man. Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam. Incredible. Um... Uh Joe Elliott has uh, said that calling Def Leppard a hair metal band is lazy journalism. Joe Elliott being a member of Def Leppard there, if, if you didn't know, um, he says that J- he just doesn't like the label. And he uh, says that the band were far away from the rest of the uh, hair metal scene at the time. Um, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I definitely see them as different to other hair metal bands. I, I see them as far, far from and i personally see them as more accomplished than many other hair metal bands uh, a lot of the bigger ones too uh but you know if you're going to categorize them i i do see that that would be the way you'd go but personally for me i i i think they are higher arts than a lot of hair metal you know so but you know it's all personal opinion on that one final bit of news news uh is uh, phil collins has uh, played his last ever show. Um, it really does feel like an end of an era. Obviously, he's struggling with health issues at the moment, and God, hope that he, uh, he, he really does keep fighting. He, he's doing an amazing job of that. But um, yeah, what an end of an era to play your last show. I mean, he's been around since the, since the, I guess late sixties with Genesis, or at least the early seventies. And he's been uh, drumming with them and singing with them, you know, a great solo artist in the, you know, in 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 the eighties and uh, just just some incredible vocals on those eighties Genesis records when he took over from um, from uh, Peter Gabriel, you know, just incredible. Um, two things I've been listening to this week. Well, it's actually three things, but two things mainly at the moment. that I'm going to mention now. Uh, Marion Morris's new album is incredible. It's really good. Uh, it fits contemporary country so well. Circles around this town. The single is amazing. Uh, Humble quest, great record. Go listen to it. Uh, the other record I really enjoyed this week was Matt Goss's latest record, The Beautiful and Unknown. Obviously, we know Matt Goss from Bros. Uh, he's he's really good solo, I, I would say, and and it's just very good pop, like it's really good adult contemporary pop, and like you could just rely on him for a great record in that genre every time even when he did his swing record brilliant record this old swing record but you know it's just it's incredible that it's a really good album well it's well worth listening to the other thing i've been listening to and this is almost non-stop this week is my guest's latest album so let's get into the interview now the interview. Okay, so welcome everyone to this section of today's podcast, a very special section of the podcast as well. Um, I'm here with Eric Torino, uh, musician, American musician, very talented man, and I first of all have to congratulate him on an amazing release that he's made this year. It's called Innovations of Great Perversity, and I'm not just saying this, Eric, it has gone straight to the top of my... uh, List this year, uh, my listens for this year is a really good record.
1: Well, wow, thank you very much.
0: <laughs> it's alright, no problem, man. It is an incredible release. Um, yeah, um, it's your third album, isn't it?
1: It is, and this was the first album that I actually did uh, using anyone but myself. On, on the previous two records, it was everything was completely Ooh. done. Um, you know, I recorded everything myself. I played all the instruments, all that kind of stuff. So oh, this wow. was a really really different record for me
0: yeah for sure i I can imagine and as i say it is a great record and it sounds uh deeply personal we'll we'll get into all of that um in a bit i i I imagine as well but I, i actually from doing some research i found out that you started writing music at seven or eight years old which is ridiculously early so i just wanted to see if uh we can have a background into you but also your musical background where you're from uh what made you want to start being in the music industry,
1: etc. Yeah, uh, I guess I I was seven or eight when I first started writing songs. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't anything particularly deep or, or great, you know. But it, but it was a start. Um, and I guess my early inspiration was it was it was pop stuff, you know. It was it was stuff that I was hearing on the radio, like. Um, the Spice Girls or or Kylie, you know th- those kind of things. Um, and then as I got older, I started veering towards more, I guess, kind of experimental stuff, um, like Patty Waters or mm. even you know Bob Dylan and oh, yeah. and Marianne Faithful, all, all those kind of artists. Uh, and, and I think that was really the biggest inspiration for me was seeing seeing people able to express themselves in in that way, in a way that that really connected with me as, as a total stranger, you know? Um, And so I guess it was, yeah, I I never, I never really felt like I wanted to be in the music industry as I'm doing air quotes um, per se, but, but I always had a great ambition to create art and to make the work. And and for me the the most logical uh, medium was was music.
0: Mm, yeah, of course. I mean, I I always say that music is the greatest art form because it's the one art form that is truly expressive of of all of them of the self, isn't it? Um, right. And, and and yeah, it's it's and that's obviously clear on this record. Uh, you just spoke about some of your influences. Um, as you say about Bob Dylan, uh, he, we're big fans of him on this podcast, of course. Um, but things like Kylie and uh, Spice Girls, um. I wanted to ask, though, based, not just based on that, but based on uh, your actual music, how would you describe your own music, and specifically uh, Innovations of Great Perversity, as an album? How would you describe that yourself?
1: Yeah, it's, it's tricky. I, I never really know what to say about that, because uh, luckily the response that I get from most people is, you know, I've never really heard anything quite like this. And, mm. and, and typically people don't really know where to categorize it. Uh, I think that the, you know, if you look it up, I think it's listed under alternative, which is kind of like the the broad sense of it's not quite pop rock, it's not quite, you know, indie. It's somewhere in the in the outer realms of, of, uh, I guess, popular music, um, but the the genres that people keep bringing up to me about innovations of great diversity are freak folk, which is something that I, I didn't really think of it as being, I didn't really think of it as being a folk record at all, actually. Mm. But that is the common denominator of everyone that's heard it. They, the initial response is just like, oh, these are folk songs, mm. um, which is completely fine with me. I mean, I love folk music and I, I, I take that as a great compliment, but I just didn't really think of it that way. Um, I guess because it kind of feels like folk music should be guitar based and and these songs for the most part are not. Um, But yeah, freak folk, uh, chamber pop is a term that I've been Mm -hmm. with a lot, which seems, that seems more appropriate to me, I guess, because of all the the strings and all that kind of stuff on this record. Um, But yeah, I guess I always say art rock because to me, that's what it, so I guess the, in terms of what that genre actually includes, you know, like Bowie kind of stuff, it's not really that, but it, it it's rock music that is artful. So so to me, that's the most kind of appropriate term.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, you know, I, I was listening to it, and I, obviously my first thought was be like indie folk type things. But then I sat there and I thought, it's so. When you said chamber pop, I hadn't thought. I, I you know I hadn't thought of that. But I, I thought it's so orchestral; it almost doesn't fit into the folk side. But it is very pokey because it's so organic and uh, and so uh, analog and everything, isn't it? Mm, yeah. But it's but, but yeah. I mean, is definitely a great one. But yeah, as you, as you say, art rock and yeah, that's a really great because it is a true. I would say it is a genuine true rock of art and uh, compared to a lot of albums that come out now. Um, mm. It does sound intensely personal. Um, Like, it it does feel so much like... I feel like I know you more than I probably should, just from listening (laughs) to this record. Like, I've listened to it four or five times since we've been speaking about, you know, having you on the podcast. And, like, what do you think gives it that personal quality?
1: I think it's just sort of innately what... The way that I write. Um, I... I mean, I'm always trying to make it as personal as I can, but at the same time make it universal because I think there's a fine line between expressing yourself in a personal way that is relatable and expressing yourself in a personal way that is you know so specific that it's like okay that's that's great for you you know but yeah. but i but I don't feel that um, so yeah I, I I think it's just in the way that I naturally write because I'm not necessarily trying to Say, um, you know, this is this is. Uh, I want you to get to know me through these songs. I mean, I, but that's fantastic. I'm I'm so pleased to hear that that comes through. But that's not really in my mind as I'm writing, uh, though I will say, with the opening song on this record, that which was written a, quite a while ago now, um, actually quite a while ago, because I I started writing the record pretty. Well, I started writing that song pretty soon after my last record, which was, I think it was it, it, somewhere in 2018
0: or 19. Yeah, 19 it, it came out, which is a great record as well, by the way, for, for anyone listening who wants to do a deep dive into you because it is is brilliant. Very different, though.
1: I thought the same. Um, though, well, I haven't listened to that record in, in a while now because I've been so wrapped up in this one. Mm. But, but it definitely felt like a very different... Um, project and, and and that too was something that was at the forefront of my mind after I had made that record I felt like it, I felt like I needed to take some time between then and now because I didn't want to just make more more of that. Uh mm. you know I really wanted to make sure that this one was something different. But but as I was saying I, I started writing Felt which is the opening song on on this record. Yeah. Um soon after and uh in terms of you know get it saying uh this is this is who I am or whatever the the inspiration that sparked that song was actually this idea that I was responding to someone saying, "So how have you been yeah. uh, which is why it's got all that kind of stuff about like i've I've been leaning on the edge again or you know um i'm I've been falling for the wrong men that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so so in a sense there was a there was a direct um intent with the opening of the record to say this is where I am, this is how it's been going and like, let's see where we move from here.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean you um, you mentioned there about how, how you wrote the album. Um, and obviously I've been researching um, a lot of this was done during the uh, the pandemic and, and the recording was done during the home studio. Did you want to tell, do you want to tell us about how the album first of all came into fruition, but then also uh, got realised when when it started becoming a project that was becoming a bit more physical in a way.
1: Yeah, so I did. I, as I was just saying, I was started. I started writing felt, and I didn't live there. The opening and closing songs, uh, somewhere between two thousand nineteen and two thousand twenty. So somewhere in that year, uh, I had started piecing those together. But I hadn't. I mean, it was in my mind that I wanted to make another record, but it it wasn't something that I was actively in a daily way pursuing. I was just kind of mm. playing around with those songs and seeing where it all, it all led me. Um, but then it must've been the, in the middle of 2020, the pandemic had begun and I, I uh, made friends with this guy, Michael Sepris, who, who actually plays on the record. Uh, on Body Get Stoned, he plays some acoustic, or classical guitar, rather. And on Inaugury of Hope, he plays those, those bells at the beginning of the song. Um, and we just became fast friends. And he, his, he's a musician uh, you know, working on his own record at the moment as well. And I just, he really inspired me to, to get this thing going. Uh, not, you know, he, he didn't push me. He didn't do anything like that. But it just made me feel like, okay, I really should do this. I should, I should put this thing together and make this happen. So I finished up those writing, not recording those two songs. And that's kind of, I guess that's kind of always how I, I, I work when I make records. I, I sort of have a, a starting point and an end point and then I fill in the story in between. So I'm, I'm always writing, I'm always writing it as a record. I'm not just writing songs and then and then like you know finding which ones are the best mm-hmm. ones, grouping them all together. Yeah, uh, the process is much more like. I mean, specifically with this, I wrote "Felt" and I didn't live there. And then the next song that I wrote, well, actually, I had written "Body Get Stoned" a long, long time ago. And after I had finished writing "Felt" and I didn't live there, I had this idea that I wanted to record it again, and it felt like it was appropriate for this project, like it would make sense in the context of what I wanted to say. So I recorded that, that was the first song that I finished recording. And I just knew that that would be the penultimate song that would you know, be the second to last. And so mm-hmm. I have the first song and the, the last two. And then I think the next thing I wrote was, um, I think it was Torture the Dead actually. But so basically the process is I'll write the first song, the last song, then I write Torch of the Dead. I know that's going to be the second song. And then I wrote the song that closes the first side. And then I have, you know, and, and I also, as I began writing this, I knew I wanted it to be eight songs. I, I think of it in terms of a, a physical record that I wanted it to be four songs per side. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm writing, you know, I have the first song and the second song on the first side and the last song on the first side. And then I think, okay, so what, What bridges use, you know, and I have to write the that missing piece. So I'm I'm really writing it piece by piece until it it makes this complete picture that I that in this case uh, and I had in my mind as an eight track album.
0: Yeah, and and I mean, considering like obviously it's it's eight tracks long, um, uh, which is isn't traditionally as long as other records. Although it does span that length of time, obviously it does span well over thirty five minutes, um, but in that what's so impressive is that you're able to delve into so many different themes um like some things i picked up on were you know you talk about finding light during more dark and troubled times and uh, you know i could pick up on some ideas of mental illness in there and things like that uh, what would you say are the overall messages off the record
1: yeah i think i think you touched on some of the big ones there it's definitely overall it is definitely about trying to find a way out of the darkness um, and into a, a hopeful place, a, a place of feeling more um, positive just in a general way. And, I, and yeah, and that is very much uh, how my life has been, has been lately uh, and was going as I was writing the record. It, um, yeah, it, t- it definitely touches on some mental illness stuff. That, that was important to work into there. Uh, and I mean, I think it's something that I'm glad isn't a big, oh, sorry about that.
0: No problem. <laughs> um, uh,
1: I, I think it's something that is, is kind of obvious, but I don't actually talk about it a lot. Romantic life is really a big mm. part of it. Um, not, not maybe as much as it was on my last couple records because it's, it's kind of more woven into, other bigger themes but yeah it it definitely goes back to love and and issues of heartbreak and 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 searching for love and all that kind of stuff but i guess yeah i i I am typically trying not to focus on that too much as we have so many songs about that
0: Mm, yeah (laughs) that's understandable
1: (laughs) so i'm always trying to make it a little more interesting than just a, a breakup song or, or uh, I, you know, I'm searching for love kind of song, uh, But yeah, I, I, I definitely think the major themes are, as you said, dealing with mental illness, um, some LGBTQ, you know, related mm-hmm. stuff. And, and overall, it's about trying to find your way from trauma into a place of, you know, feeling hopeful about the future, which is something that has definitely been a real uh, battle in in my life.
0: Um, have you found that the the record um, has been instrumental for you finding that light in your life? Would you say?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely feel like making this record. I mean, it was it was a really kind of magical thing. It it felt like it really turned. Me around, and I don't know if that's necessarily a result of making the record, or if the record is a result of that happening. You know, it's hard to say which which is which. But but at the at the time of making this, I really felt like I was finding new footing in um, a, a place of feeling hopeful. Yeah, well,
0: of course, and 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 uh, you know, as as you said before, it does really come through in the record that that it's almost like when you listen to the record, you hear the darkness, but you hear the light that's coming through. Um, and it's, it's a, even in the instrumentation, you know, there is a dark sort of sombre feel, but at the same time, it's really bright and and you almost see all the colours whilst the whilst the songs are playing. Um, I, I really want to talk about one song in particular because it is my favourite on the record. And it's one of the two songs, along with Felt, that I would recommend to someone if they just want to have a little sort of a, feel for what the record's like before fully diving in and right. that's that's boulder um can i ask exactly what that song's about i just i just love the hook in it of um i just i just love that hook of uh you know not I'm leaving, not being there, in a, not leaving the house, house. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, good.
1: Well, thank you I'm, I'm surprised i'm surprised to hear that because uh that's actually one of the songs that i feel like is getting gets kind of forgotten as i'm, really? <laughs> I'm um Boulder. Boulder actually started life in the sessions for my last album, um, "Champagne and Childhood Hunger." I st- that's when I started writing that song, but it started out as a very different song. Uh, originally, and I think, I guess a, a lot of the songs from that from "Champagne and Childhood Hunger" are not accusatory, but but it's it's a lot more of a a you language, you know, you did this or, or, you know, you uh, made me feel this way. Whereas specifically on, on innovations of grave perversity, I really wanted it to be, I wanted to take ownership of myself and not be making these songs about anyone else necessarily. Um, And, you know, there's a lot more of I language. Um, But so Boulder started as a song that was about someone else. Uh, saying, you are still a boulder. Um, and actually, the the inspiration for that line, for the, the phrase boulder, um, mm-hmm. I was watching a, I forget the name of it, but a documentary about Joni Mitchell. And oh, yeah. I think it was David Crosby speaking in it. And he was talking about life, just, just kind of life in general and saying, mm-hmm. talking about this theory that we begin life as a boulder and through all of our experiences and and, um, trials and tribulations and all that stuff we get like a stone on the sea we get you know the boulder gets refined and it becomes smooth and and wise
0: Mm.
1: so i kind of paraphrase that idea and that was the beginning of the of that song um, but as I was saying, it 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 began life as kind of an accusatory song, which was at, directed at someone saying, "You are still a boulder. You, you know, you have never had these uh, experiences that have allowed you to become wise and, and all that." But so I I picked it up again um, as I was putting this album together and, and realized that it, it was about. I mean, it was it was about myself and it was about what I was going through now, and that I felt like. Despite the fact that in some ways I've had many, many kind of unusual experiences uh, throughout the course of my life, I do feel that I am am still this boulder. which is, it kind of could go either way. You know, you could look at it as a positive thing in the sense that you still have much to experience and, and, you know, much more life lies ahead of you. Or it could be a very negative thing in that we've, you know, that if you're still a boulder, you you've been uh, trapped and you haven't been able to really kind of fulfill the life that you could. But, yeah, um, again, going back to the mental illness stuff for for the past couple of years now, I mean, and I've always I've dealt with a lot of these kind of things for the over the course of my entire life. But in the last couple of years, I've had pretty severe agoraphobia, so I haven't Mm. I actually have not been able to leave this damn house Um, so that's that's where that came from that's what made me realize this is about me and and how I feel I don't think trapped is the right word but but how I I feel like I am not able to be rolling out in the world and you know gathering up experiences in in the traditional kind of way but but yeah I I, um, I also I I worried with that song that and luckily, no one has said this to me, but I worried with that song that people would think that that refrain at the end i am never leaving this damn house but was like some kind of pandemic thing
0: hmm.
1: um which I mean if you want to take it that way, that's totally fine but but that wasn't the intention it was that it was that that bit was written long before it began,
0: yeah, of course, I mean, like you mentioned the pandemic I think for so many people who listen to this album, that song would resonate with them for their own reasons, you know? I, I do think that for people coming out of any kind of quarantine or or lockdown or whatever it's called in the country that people are from, uh, that they're gonna feel the same things. They're, they're gonna feel that sense of agoraphobia as well as uh, any other meaning in the song, uh, that the song's, you know, anything that the song's actually genuinely about, you know? So people are gonna take right. it in their own way, but they'll really resonate with it either way. Um, I wanted to say though, that track especially like the, the, there's you know the album's got so many rich layered textures in terms of instrumentation um and, and it, it feels like like it's an album that just feels so crafted in terms of the layering of of the different instruments and and, and they're not necessarily um uh, instruments that you would expect to be on a, on, on, on a, uh, I'll call it a, a pop record in, in terms of the grand scheme yeah, of pop. I, I, I welcome that. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, that song especially has so much space on it. And, and I'm a huge a huge fan of the space in records. And it feels like there's just more, there's so much breathing space for the instrumentation on it. Um, can you tell me about how it was actually, uh, how it was recorded and, 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 and the other musicians on this record?
1: Yeah, Boulder actually specifically. And I guess with, a lot of these songs when i started making them i i tried out a lot of different things um and and for the the couple singles that i released prior to the album i put out some of those alternate versions uh you know so you could hear the sort of different takes on these songs and with boulder there was i guess you would call it a harp version a version Mm -hmm. that um yeah it was basically harp based and there was there was some arco double bass stuff uh and I think maybe some trumpets were still on there. But yeah, on the album, it ended up being a plucked double bass and um, trumpets and uh, maybe that's actually all that's on that song. Um, but yeah, that, that one specifically, I, I was trying to do something that would stand out from the rest of the record. It's mm. much kind of jazzier, I guess.
0: Yeah, there, there is that element. I, I did definitely hear that.
1: Um, but yeah, so as I was beginning to put this together, basically the way that it worked was I would, I would write these songs and record them, record little demos on, um, for the most part on a piano, but, but some were on guitar as well. And then I would take those demos and I would look for musicians who I felt like could complement them in the way that I wanted, um. You know so so uh yeah specifically like with boulder i would say okay so this this one i i'm not sure if i want it to be a harp based song or a double bass bass song but i know that i wanted to have some kind of sort of plucked uh rolling kind of thing going to the, the kind of um gives this sense of what it's like to be moving through your life but But in a way that is not uh, kind of like not a jovial kind of rolling and plucking, Mm. but but uh, you know almost like you're sitting and watching as life plods by, Um, which is why at the end it made more sense to use the the double bass instead of the harp, because the harp is a bit more sort of rolling in a in a um, uh, jovial isn't the word, but you know rolling in a more energetic kind of way. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, so I would, I would find someone, I would look for um, a double bassist and then I, I would find them and I would communicate with them in a way that maybe isn't super, you know, technical uh, in, in like music terminology, but I would explain things uh, to, to try to get the right sound And then they would record something and, you know, we, this is all done remotely. We'd go back and forth. They would send me the recording and I would say, you know, this part is great, but I don't think this is working. And then we would, you know, tweak that. And then, uh, and then it would build up from layers and layers. And so I would have that double bass part and then I would have a, you know, then I would have the trumpet parts come in or whatever, but, but yeah, in terms of communication, it's I'm trying to think of an example of, of something that that happened. It, It would be like saying um like i want i want this this flute part to sound less like a river and more like a cold wind. You know, that kind of um explanation. And and luckily I was able to find musicians who really were responsive to what I was saying and who really understood what I was trying to get at. And yeah, I, I honestly I couldn't be more pleased with with the work that everyone did. It feels you know I feel so grateful that i was able to to find these people and to make this this thing happen
0: yeah um, it, it's the, the musicianship on show is is just incredible it, there's there's like, I, I listen to it and i i, I <laughs> the whole time i listen to this record like i have sort of done some self recording and things like that at home myself and songs i've written but i listen to this and i don't i can't even imagine how to record an album like this it's so I, I just can't even think of how to do it, but I wanted to ask you about someone who's on the record. Um, uh, you worked with Jodie Holland on this record, is that correct?
1: I did, yeah, which was amazing. Uh, she, I, she my, well, no, she wasn't my first concert, but she was one of the first concerts I ever went to. Um, and, you, you know, her discography is just insane. You know, she, there, there is not a dud to be found. And so I've I've always been a, a great fan of, of the work that she does, and specifically the the lyricism of her songs. It, it, she she has a really unique way of, of phrasing things, and 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 it really communicates kind of very specific ideas in a way, it, like in a feeling way, as opposed to an intellectual way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that that too was a result of the pandemic. I. Um, we connected through Instagram, you know, and we, we were, we were talking and and she was open to the idea of recording for other people because she couldn't tour. Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: And so I sent her some, as I was saying earlier, i sent her body, get stoned. uh, And that was the first song that we, that we finished for the record. And yeah, she, she did some violin stuff um, on other songs. Uh, And her, her violin playing is also incredible. It's, it's very, um, haunting kind of it's a it's a very specific kind of sound uh, but yeah it it was i mean it, it's it's like you were just saying it, it, this record even to me it's it's the kind of thing where if i had to if i had to really sit down and think about like how did this happen i don't know if i could tell you <laughs> you yeah. know you, you kind of do it and it just it just there it, it's there at some point um But yeah and that's the same the same thing kind of goes with the songwriting process i feel like as i'm as i'm writing songs i when i'm in the moment i it's very real and i'm very much connected to to the melodies and the words and 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 what is happening as it's being crafted but it's almost like a dream like after it's over i feel like i i I have a vague recollection of how it happened but i i I couldn't be sure
0: (laughs) Yeah, it, 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 the the album as, as a whole is very dreamlike, isn't it? And um, that that's what I, I find so incredible. Um, I mean, I look at the album cover even, and you know, it it almost references artwork of the past, and you know, then the music has a timeless quality in the same way, like timeless, in the sense of like old time, uh, f- like not folk music, but even cl- to, like the elements of like classical and things like that. That they're all in there, um, and like the album just seems to be about moving forward, but those elements of the past is, is almost seem to still be there. Um, are you influenced a lot by, uh, by by what happens in the past in your music?
1: Yeah, that's, I was actually just thinking about that the other day, thinking about how um, influenced by the past am I. And I would like to say, well, no, I was going to say I would like to say not very, because it, it's kind of a goal to be constantly evolving and not, not be bound by the past. Um, but actually, even at the start of the record in Felt, there's a line that says, I've been clinging to the past again, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of what I'm getting at, I guess, is that I, I, you know, the record starts with that idea of clinging to the past and by the end of it, um, you're letting go of it and realizing that the, the culmination of all of your experiences aren't who you are, which is what happens in, in I Didn't Live There. You know, it's, it's not necessarily, of course, we're shaped by our experiences and, and all the things that have happened to us in our lives, but, but that isn't the core of who you are. You know, that's not your home. Um, but I definitely am inspired and um, bound to the past in a sense, because it's, I guess, it's especially as someone who is, you know, um, here. Where I am right now, who's who's literally in, in this singular space for sh- such extended periods of time, my reality is very much in my mind, and a lot of that is is based on on the past that I've had. But but yeah, I definitely am aiming as I move through my life to not be too connected to it. I mean, it's it's hard to say that too because. Um, and another thing this record touches on, and I, and I dedicated this record to two of my friends who passed away um, God, uh, about <clears throat> 10 years ago now. Uh, but so because I I had these really deep connections to these people, um, I don't know, I think this is something that a lot of people who have faced um, a premature loss in their life deal with. There's There's a feeling of... You don't want to let go of the past because you're afraid that it will disconnect you from the memories and from the experiences and, and the, the the life that you had with that person. But at the same time, you can't. It's you can't live there. It's not you know. It's not. It's not mm-hmm. uh, present anymore. So there's a really fine line to tread between feeling connected with the past and not being burdened by it.
0: Yeah, and and that's uh, that's so true. It's definitely finding that balance, um, it, and it's it's a it's a time old conundrum in in music. You know, we again on the podcast we're huge Bruce Springsteen fans, and he releases Born to Run about getting out of the small towns, and then he realizes that actually looking back on his life that he's never gonna leave that small town because it's hmm. always part of him. It's still there. Um, so it, it's it's definitely a huge part um, of. of of music in a whole. Talking about the past, how would you say though that your sound has changed over the last nine years since that first album in 2013 up to now?
1: I think it's changed a lot. Um, I, the, the, My first album was called Mountains of Nothing in Love. And that record was, I mean, it was much more aggressive and kind of scratchy and um, brittle and it, I guess I was definitely aiming for more of a, a punk kind of um, outsider music kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. a, a um I mean not not sounding like bad for the sake of sounding bad, but but I definitely wanted it to not be pretty. And you want it to
0: sound like DIY, isn't it? Like it's like it's, it's yeah. made by you, yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um and so then I think that's actually probably been the biggest um, thread that's come through these, these three records is, as it moves forward. I I keep thinking, how can we make this as pretty as possible? (laughs) Um, And, and not in a way that is glossy, you know, not, not that kind of pretty, but I guess beautiful is, is the word that I'm looking for. I'm trying to make it as beautiful as it it can be, but um, not, thematically not not in the lyrical content but in the actual sound Uh, and that was something on the last record on Champagne and Childhood Hunger that I was really playing with was this idea that I wanted it to be kind of light and twinkly but but be saying these really sort of dark um, pained things so yeah so on this record that that's why I I had such a strong um, pull towards working with what what basically amounted to a, a little orchestra. Mm. Um, I I was you know and that's that's like always been a dream of mine is to to work with um, strings and, and horns and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, so so I think the the change has been it's moved from it's it's still DIY but it's but it's it's less noticeable now I think.
0: Yeah, it, it's more. Uh, the the production is more, or it's more produced, I guess you could say, couldn't you? Um, yeah. In, in a way, um, yeah. I mean, I will say, like for for us here in the UK, especially in England, uh, I think this album will really like people would just love the sound of it, just because you're using instruments that are very much like when we hear a French horn, let's say, for example, in the in England, that's that's an English sound to us, you know that yeah. that, that that really. Is the sound of the country. So um, I think that it will really resonate over here across the pond, which I'm, I mean, I'm going to push this album as much as I can personally because I think it's incredible. <laughs> so um, uh,
1: I actually think that, I, I mean, I think that as well. And I think that comes from, and I'm not sure why this is true, but it definitely is. It, I've, I've had more English uh, influences in the music that I like. You know, I, I definitely am much more interested in, in English music than American music. You know, not. I can't say that definitively, but but I definitely like more British artists than American artists, and and also, um, and and I've gotten some good response uh, in France as well from this record, Mm. which makes sense to me.
0: That Um, well, yeah, I I can see why. Yeah,
1: it it wasn't an intentional thing, but it does almost have like a little bit of a a Francoise Hardy kind of thing about it. Mm. Uh, Kind of, I guess, in terms of yeah it's it's see i don't know i i it's kind of an alt folk indie pop kind of record but yeah i guess it's it's just much more classical leaning than than um the most of the stuff out there at the moment
0: yeah you can definitely i mean you can definitely draw parallels to things like um uh, Scarborough Fair is a great example mm, of, yeah. of, of a song that you can really draw parallels with this album, um, and obviously, uh, you know, and, and and that becomes a huge song when Simon and Garfunkel do it, and it becomes a huge all over the world, and people will resonate with that. They they will hear that. Um, I wanted to discuss something that I think is actually really important, and I think really relates to this album. We slightly touched on it a bit. Is that In a recent episode of the podcast, um, myself and a a friend of Michael George, we discussed, we were talking about how pop music, we felt like pop music is sort of, there's less fun in it, but there's more gravity in it, in the sense of it, it. there's definitely a push at the moment for artists to express their deepest insecurities and to be more open about things like mental health and stuff like that which is obviously a really good thing and great for the cause Mm. Um, and like this this album just feels as we said is no exception to this Um, like how do you feel that you how relevant like what kind of relevance do you think this album has to wider society at the moment
1: Uh, I guess in terms of popular music that's that's out there right now. That's something that I, I, I really am not aware of, honestly. Um, I mean, I, I know vaguely of, of what you're talking about and I, I can feel, you know, just in the air that that is what's going on, that people are, are pushing to uh, be deeper in, in, even in, you know, very uh, light pop kind of music, um, mm-hmm. which I guess has been going on for a while now. It, I mean, I think it was like, 2014 13 14 15 somewhere around there i feel like it was with uh lana del rey and stuff like that yeah definitely this push towards we should well it just became more in vogue to to be doing something that was deeper and not so kind of like um thumping, you know, dance kind of music, which I mean, makes sense in terms of what's been going on in the world. This, this isn't really a great, if you put out like a a big dance record, it's not really a a time when people are going to say like, yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking about. I mean, there's, there's also something to be said for that. I mean, because I think there is a certain part of all of us that needs that kind of escapism that you can get with those kind of dance records, but Why? are pushing towards uh, darker stuff but but yeah I guess I mean with with innovations of great perversity I think it's 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 interesting because I, I do as you were you were saying earlier it is kind of a timeless thing because I think I, I try to put myself out outside of it and think you know if, if somebody discovered this record 50 years from now and they said what what era is this from I think you I think you'd be Hard pressed to figure it out. I'm not sure you'd be able to say like, oh, that's that's got to be a 2000s record, 2000 record. Mm-hmm. You know, is it from the is it from the 70s? You know, it's, it's hard to. I think it would be hard to say, which is which is great. You know, that's that's um something to to strive for, but I definitely tried to write about things that are current and, and that are um, present issues in my life, but I'm sure in, in many people's lives. Uh, you know, even specifically with, uh, with Boulder, that that idea that there's, there's so much stuff going on that we can't connect. Um, mm. And yeah, and I think, I think being more open about mental health struggles, and, you know, how it how it is to feel that way is, is, it's, it's been, it's been really great to see that and I am aware of that. I've seen that people have been much more open in music to talk about those kind of things. You know, even maybe 10 years ago, I think if you had written written a, a song um, openly discussing mental health stuff, it would be like, uh, you know, that's, that's great, but that's not making me comfortable.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, I, I think 10 years ago, the, the, the expression was still man up. whilst mm. now the expression is, would you like to go out for a beer and have a chat? Like, right, that's yeah. the difference isn't it like and and i think as my friend said i asked him first of all i said do you think pop music is losing its fun factor and he said i think pop music reflects the current society and that's exactly what's happening and i, and I think but i but i do feel like um, obviously it's always done that and, and I think songs have always been deep But specifically in some genres it's changing now But I, I think with this record Whenever it comes out I, I think it always would have been the way it was Because as you say it's so so timeless And yeah that just gives it such a beautiful quality I guess um, I wanted to ask Because we haven't actually asked about it yet And it's a really big part of the record It's quite a fascinating name Innovations of Grave Perversity um, Can you tell me why you decided to call the record that?
1: Yeah, I, I actually am always surprised. No one ever asked me that. <laughs> the same with with um, with the last two. You know, when I when I put out my last record, Champagne and Childhood Hunger, I was certain that anyone who encountered it would say like, "What? What the hell does that mean?" Um, and and I, li- I think I think literally no one asked me. Um, but, with, but with innovations of great Firsty, I actually I, I think it did come up once. But that was a phrase that for me was was sort of a long-handed way of saying changes um and i think i don't like to give too much away about it because i, I think i mean it, I, it's intentionally written in a way that is open-ended so you can kind of kind of apply whatever um ideas that you want onto it but yeah for me it was about changes and specifically the the changes uh, from where I was to where I had started to go, which was, I was, you know, I was a person who was sort of at a default negative, you know, my default state of mind was uh, sort of doom laden. Um, Mm. And so it was, it was a a gravely perverse innovation uh, for me to start feeling hopeful,
0: basically
1: what, out and and that too was um going back to you know how the records come to be that phrase was it it actually is taken from a song called invocations on the album but but it that phrase existed before invocations did that that was always the name of the record well actually it, it was almost always the name of the record for for a brief period i considered calling it something else um, when I had just, I just had felt and I didn't live there. And the very, one, well, almost the very last line and I didn't live there is, is other people live in our apartments now. Um, and I almost was going to call the record other people live in our apartments now, which I guess back to sort of timelessness. And I think that would have been record title, but that to me feels less timeless than something like Innovations of Great Perversity." Uh, but, but yeah, so that was the title of the record from the onset and, and it actually just happened to m- make sense and find its home in, in the song invocations. But I basically had that title and then wrote that the record that would exist, you know, you know, it's kind of thinking like, okay, so I have a record that has this title. What would it sound like? What would it say? Um, but yeah, so, so it's, it's, I'm curious to know the, before I, I should have asked you before i explained all that but what did what did you think it meant
0: um i i i didn't actually uh really have too many thoughts about it um just just because it's such a uh, an abstract title to me That i i just thought you know what that's just really uh what's the word um like put it this way that i see that name on a record on a shelf i pick up that record because of the name mm. because it's just so it's it's inviting because it's open it's it, it's up to interpretation, it's up to all different things. Obviously the way you've explained it uh, really fits in with the context of the record now. Um, yeah, I mean, ob- obviously I, I had really no clue as to what I hadn't put any thought to it.
1: And um, I think that's that's fine. I mean, and I think that's that's kind of the intention as well, that it's 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 just, it's an intriguing phrase. Uh, mm, that's what I
0: found it, yeah. I found it yeah. just really, that's the word I was looking for, intriguing. That's the exact word, yeah. It's very, very, uh, uh, it's just an eye-catching title. Uh, and and I, I really like it for that. Um, so um, I wanted to ask you, cause I, I was doing some research and I, I saw that uh, we are both actually really big fans of producer, and I hope I say his name right cause I've only ever read his name, uh, Daniel Linois. Um What I want to know is yeah, what, makes, yeah, what makes you admire him so much? And how did that influence uh, innovations of Great Diversity?
1: Uh, well yeah, I I am I don't I probably don't know the like, the full extent of all the work that he's done. And I and I'm pretty sure he makes his own records, but I've never heard those. I've only heard the, the production work he's done for other artists. <laughs> um but that's it's such a specific sound, and it's mm. it's a sound that I really connect with. I mean, the, one, the record that comes to mind most of all well for me is Emilio is Harris's Wrecking Ball. That's a brilliant
0: record, brilliant album. It's amazing. I mean, so it, it's,
1: it's, it's the kind of record where you could imagine her singing those songs, but in a, in a you know, they wouldn't sound anything like that if he wasn't involved. Mm. It's so kind of, I guess dreamy is the word. It's kind of a dreamy thing that he does. Um, and so, yeah, I was definitely inspired by that. Uh, I, I'm probably always kind of inspired by the sound, that sound that he, that he produces. It, it's, I think it was more prevalent on my last record because I was going, it's almost sort of shoegazy, um, which is, it's uh, a term that came up a lot when I was promoting that record. Mm-hmm. Uh, what Daniel Lenois does is almost kind of shoegazy. Um, but yeah, it's, it's sort of like you're in a, not not a cave, but it, you know, it's it's almost like a you're in some kind of like dream chamber that that sound that he makes. Yeah. Um, so... But also, I really love. Um, is it Oh Mercy? Right, it's Oh Mercy and um, Time Out of Mind.
0: Yeah, I def- yeah, I I think it's both of them. I know it's definitely it's Oh Mercy. Um, have you ever read Bob Dylan's Chronicles?
1: Is... I, I actually, I, I bought it when it came out Which was, I don't even know, like 15
0: Yeah, 16, I think it's 2004,
1: I think A long time ago, I bought it then and I, I never read it, and I just read it um, Like a, a couple weeks ago
0: so, Yeah, I finished it about a month ago
1: <laughs> Yeah, and it I, I was Well, I, I wanted to say surprised, but I guess Not necessarily, because, you know, I wouldn't Expect anything less um, But it, it was It was um, i was i enjoyed how unconventionally structured it was
0: yeah it's an amazing book but he goes into so much length on on, on daniel and like you really realize like the way he works on that book I, I am doubtful at times just because i have met a writer who's called i think he's called clinton hay or hayland clinton or something along those lines um i just can't remember his name off the top of my head but he's written about bob dylan he's, He he believes that that a lot of that section is, is pretty much just made up, which would be so so what Bob yeah. would do. Um, yeah.
1: But I don't... I, I was, after I finished yeah. the book, I looked up reviews and stuff and I, I saw that a lot of people were saying, you know, this is this is a great story, but...
0: <laughs> but my thing is though, is I don't think that that stuff about Daniel is made up because it just sounds, because why would you lie about the way he's producing your record? Like it just yeah, sounds so... It didn't,
1: it didn't really paint him in a particularly flattering light. I mean, it, it it's it sounded like it was a a, a tough experience. But to I sound
0: like he enjoyed it. That the topic and that's yeah, what well, created the record,
1: right? Because he was in such a kind of funk. You know, he, he didn't know where to go.
0: Yeah, of that course. Really, yeah.
1: I found really interesting about the book is is it. I mean, I think we all think of Dylan as like this kind of godlike figure. He's mythical right and of, and of course he's he's a man like like we all are but it, the book it, to me it just really humanized him it felt it was so nice to hear him speaking not like on top you know from the mountaintops but just as like a person with with uh you know doubts and and insecurities
0: yeah, yeah definitely and and he's obviously got his new book out this year which is i mean he's talking about pop music and that so i don't know what he's going to say but you know i'm looking forward to that um I, a lot of my listeners are obviously, they collect vinyl records because I've run so much promotion of this through my uh, Instagram account, which, which we came to contact through. Um, and um, can you tell us more about the uh, the variants you've got on, on vinyl and how important do you think it is to have uh, your music on these physical mediums? Because the variants look gorgeous, I will say. I have looked them up.
1: Thank you. Uh, yeah. So it's, it came out on, on um, a smoky clear vinyl, which mm. is, uh it's hard to explain actually it's it's a it's it's not swirly smoky it's kind of like a goldeny black it's a translucent color it's like the color of smoke um and then maroon vinyl and then we did a cassette as well um and the cassette was through uh the record label perpetual doom who i worked with uh, in the past who are our friends mm-hmm. of mine and it, it's t- I actually was trying to not let it be as important to me as it, it instinctively feels like it is. Um, but the, the physical formats to me are, are very important. It's, it's great to have it available on streaming and, and digital and all that, and so that it's, it's easily accessible. But until the record arrived in my hand, it felt like it felt like you know, all of this stuff was just some kind of amorphous, Uh, ideas that were you know as I was making the record I kept thinking to myself I'm investing so much of my feelings and and money and you know and all of this stuff in what is essentially not real you know it's Mm. it's zeros and ones and and so until it actually was in my hands I I didn't feel like it it really existed Um, and yeah and, and that was that was a really long process. I I finished the record in I think it was around April of 2021. And then I started working on the artwork and doing all the layouts and stuff and submitted everything for production in August. In August? Yeah of 2021. It, and it, it it just made it. You know, the, the vinyl arrived at my door, I think it was on March first. And it was, you know, they, they shipped out on the eleventh. So it, 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 it all just happened to work out perfectly. But yeah, all, I've actually released all three of my records on vinyl and, and cassette. Um, I've never done a CD, though I wouldn't, wouldn't be opposed to it. But it, it feels I, like I, I read something somewhere that said, you know, if you order... Um, a thousand CDs congratulations you now have 950 copies of your CD
0: <laughs> yeah it's going that way a bit but the, yeah uh, well, well, the thing is this album I, I just think it, you can only hear it on 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 an analog format because it it, it has such an organic analog even, even woody like feel in it. and and I think I couldn't I couldn't listen to I mean I have been listening to it obviously on streaming but if I was given the choice and I had the record in front of me I would never go to a streaming platform to listen to it, it would mm. only be listened to on vinyl. Um, as, a, as a final question then before we finish up, mm. um, what does the future hold for yourself and your music?
1: The future is always very uncertain <laughs> um, <laughs> but but at the moment I am I am putting together some kind of EP, I'm not sure exactly what it's going to be yet but I have been recording some live stuff um, for radio, which, which should be out hopefully in the next month or so. Um, and then I've, I've been just digging through some demos and things, and I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to just put together a little collection of that stuff, which hopefully will come out in the summer. Um, and uh, outside of, of this record, I actually just finished um, writing... Some liner notes for a new Patti Waters record. Um, oh, nice. Which, well, my, my involvement is is um, woven into it. I, I didn't I didn't actually put this record together, but it's it's a compilation that's based on a record for her that I d- did put together called Plays. Um, but I think this new collection is going to be called You Loved Me, and that's going to come out on vinyl from. Um, I think the record label is called Cortizona. And I wrote the, the liner notes for that. And then I also did the cover artwork for um, a Sandy Denny reissue that's coming out on vinyl for Record Store Day of, um, the album is, is called, oh, um, it, it's her last concert that was done at the Royalty. And uh, the name of it for some reason is escaping me, um, but it's, it's her final concert. And it's never been issued on vinyl before. It, it came out on CD, but it had sort of very dated 90s artwork. And so my friend Andrew Batt, who does all these amazing um, reissues of, of a lot of different people's records, uh, we worked together and did the cover art for that. Um, yeah, so th- those are things that I'm excited about coming up in the future. But hopefully, uh, outside of that, I'll, I'll eventually start writing again. But, but I'm in that phase at the moment where I'm... I'm sort of consciously stepping away because I I, I'm not the kind of person who's constantly writing. You Uh, need
0: breaks, don't you? And you're promoting as well, which is is a huge part of the cycle.
1: Yeah, it takes up a lot of your energy. but of course. I I also just generally feel like a good way to not write the same record twice is to let your life evolve a bit before you start delving into it again.
0: Mm, That makes sense. I never thought of that. That don't, don't really make sense. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned there, obviously, uh, I, was, I was going to mention this before we finished, um, about the, um, you do quite a lot of graphic design and things like that. And obviously some of my listeners may have noticed that my uh, podcast icon logo, whatever you want to call it, has, has changed. Um, that has been designed by Eric, who very kindly designed it for me. And he did an amazing job. And when he sent it over, it was a total surprise. And it, it really just shocked me. It shocked me at how good it was. And, and I loved it. And the fact is, as well, that fish that's in it looks like exactly like one of the fish I've got, which, uh,
1: <laughs>
0: if you know about the podcast, is named after the fact that. I have a fish tank in the room usually that I usually record. I don't always, but I usually record in there, uh, especially when it's done in person. And um, obviously the filter's running. You can't hear the filter, but we thought we'd better name it after after the fish, just in case it, you can slightly hear it. <laughs> so I'm trying to explain it away. Um, but yeah, so thank you so much for that. Um, yeah i'm glad you liked it yeah it was amazing thank you Uh, but yeah eric you've been an absolutely perfect podcast uh, guest thank you so much for coming on and i really want to say that people should go out and listen to this record it's innovations of great perversity you can find it on spotify but you can also uh buy the records or cassettes as uh eric has said and
1: um, and it actually is going to be available soon through juno uh in the uk
0: Oh, brilliant! I'll definitely be on that because I, I was looking to try and find it in the UK because shipping costs us so much. So I'll be, oh, yeah. I'll be, I'll be looking through Juno. That's excellent. Thank you so much for letting me know. Um, but yeah, I'll definitely be recommending uh, you to anyone else who asks me uh, if I can recommend them any podcast uh, guests to interview or just to have on in general. Um, and we'd love to have you back on at any any available point if you ever wanted to, um, Eric. You've been absolutely amazing. So thank you for coming on
1: thank you so much for having me yeah i'd love i'd love to come back
0: excellent thank you so much well uh we'll we'll, we'll chat for a bit after this um but um yeah i'll I'll say goodbye to all my listeners now and um thank you for listening as always um eric do you want to uh plug some social medias or anything else that you've got out there
1: sure you can find me at eric torino um on instagram uh facebook is eric torino art (laughs) But I think the best place is just uh, www.erictorino.com.
0: Excellent. Thanks for that. And obviously, as as most of you guys know already, I'm uh, at thisisvinyl.tap on Instagram. If you do want to email us, feel free to. It's musicfishbowl123 at gmail.com. And please join me in saying thank you to uh, Eric for coming on today and being so generous with his time.
1: And thank you again for having me.
0: Cheers. Thank you. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 6 of Music Fishbowl. Um, I've been thinking that this show actually does already have a, um, a catchphrase, you know. And that catchphrase is uh, music chatter so for all, oh, you might have seen it on the icon of the podcast. Um, so I'm going to start the show again actually with that catchphrase and see what I can do. Welcome everyone to Music Fishbowl. Music chatter for all. Now today, oh I like that, that worked. We'll do that, we'll do that next time. Anyway, you might notice that I'm on my own again today. And that's because we had another interview style conversation. A bit more conversational this time, because it was, it was with someone I know. Um, but it was with someone extremely special when looking at the history of music. Um, So this week I spoke to my grandfather Pete uh, about the 50s, about music in the 50s and being part of the teenage revolution and being into rock and roll and where he was when he first heard Bill Haley and Elvis and all these great artists from the time. So really looking forward to you guys listening to this. I'm going to quickly run through some music news and then we'll get straight into the interview. Okay, so uh, music news this week. Um, I'm recording this quite early, and but but enough time has passed since the episode with Eric last week to actually be able to record this. Um, it's currently the, uh, I believe it's the fourth of April, and this is the news up till then. So next episode you'll have a longer period with more potential news to be listening to. Um, anyway. To start off with, I want to start off that Judy and Lennon has announced a new album coming out called Jude. Obviously the name is a nod to the song Hey Jude by the Beatles, which Paul McCartney uh, wrote about him when his family were going through a troubled time to try and pull him through. Um, Really looking forward to that. Uh, Radiohead have debuted the new song from their side project, The Smile, uh, in the TV show Peaky Blinders and that song's called Panavision. Yet to listen to this one. Looking forward to it. It's on my list. Um, Ozzy Osbourne talking of new music is um, working with Chad Smith on a new album, which is going to be super. I hope his last album was incredible. I loved it. I thought it was an amazing record, especially considering everything that's going on right now with him. I just think he's he he's just he's killing it. He's killing it at the moment. Um, moving on to some things that I listened to this week, uh, just very quickly. I listened to uh, Thomas Rhett's new album, Where We Started. Uh, This is a great pop country record, I think. Uh, It's one of the artists' best for sure. Um, However, it's not my favourite country again, side A. uh, The first part of his side project to do more traditional style country that was born out of COVID. Um, that's, That's much better to me. But it is nice to have a break from that more traditional sound he's coming out with before side B of that project comes out. Um, So this album's quite similar to 2019's Point Road, uh, but it is less consistent than that. I'd say Point Road is my favourite album of his that is a pop country mainstream release that he's done. Um, Talking of uh, country music again, I just want to quickly touch on Paul Cawthorn's new record, which is called Country Coming Down. Uh, I hadn't heard of Paul Cawthorn until this record, and I gave him a quick listen. I do apologise if I'm mispronouncing his surname there. Uh, But this record, you know what? It semi-surprised me, like, I didn't know what it was going to be about, but I was very intrigued into how it had a, it doesn't it doesn't give a damn sort of attitude, you know, and I thought that was quite cool. There's a couple of songs in there that I wanted to say to play this, but I think I stuck with just one, which had this really cool vintage vibe, sort of like... Uh, old school vibes. I can't remember what the vibe fully was off the top of my head about listening to it again because I've only heard it once today when I listened to it. But I was kind of shocked by the change in tone halfway through the song, which was really cool. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out. My my. Uh, if you do want to check out any music I am currently listening to and the songs that I'm really enjoying from them, go to um, uh, go to my Instagram. This is vinyl dot uh, so that's at thisisvinyl.tap click on my link tree in my bio and you'll see one of the links there is to my Spotify playlist so you can check out all these songs I talk about um, in them uh, the last thing I listened to that's a new release this week was the Red Hot Chili Peppers new album Unlimited Love definitely one of the albums I've been looking forward to more this year um, so okay it's 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 a good Chili Peppers record don't get me wrong I, I don't I mean, I wasn't too impressed with that last record. Um, The record before, I really, really liked. So, and I felt like it's going more back to that. But it's a bit more chilled. More chill vibes in this one. A bit more laid back. A bit more breezy, you know. But um, it definitely doesn't deserve to be an hour and 15 minutes long. Like, it should be. Within that, there's a good 40-minute record. Like... There's a lot of filler songs. There's a few songs that are like proper old school 90s Red Hot Chili Peppers. Nothing going back to the 80s career, but definitely the 90s stuff. And they've got like a few newer Chili Pepper sounding songs, albeit we know the sound hasn't changed much at all. So it does all fit in and it flows nice and it works well as a piece. But I will say it definitely didn't deserve to be as long as it was. So that's the only unfortunate thing there. But anyway, let's leave it on that. And let's get straight into this brilliant interview with my granddad Pete. I really enjoyed it and I hope you do too. He tells some amazing stories from the time. Um, and it's, it is a love letter to music and culture and lifestyle of the 50s. Please enjoy this. And I'll talk to you next time in um, in the next episode. Cheers.